This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For your free trial, plus 10% off anything you buy, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Berlin. How's it going? Good. Did you put a? Did you put your avatar in your Skype profile? Isn't it? It's jarring. It's like we've been doing this a long time, and <laughs> there was never an avatar in in your profile. Well, what you what you probably there it is now. What you, you probably you, stopped noticing was that what I had up there was whatever I threw into Skype in order to have an image in probably two thousand three. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it's a selfie. It pl- it's a selfie before we called it that. A placeholder image that was there for a long time, and now you've gone and you've cleaned up your metadata. Your image um, could use a refresh. <laughs> what is my image? I don't see a I'll picture. Get a, of- I'll get a screen grab for you. Well, you can't really appreciate it because you're probably seeing it at, at the small size does, that does not exaggerate the lossiness of it. So mm. you got Nabil glasses. You look like you're blowing out an imaginary birthday candle, and mm. uh, it... <laughs> It looks like it's being presented at approximately 12 times of the intended image size. It kind of looks like somebody smeared Vaseline on you. Oh. Not in a good way. Well, you know, that was the era. That was the look at the time. Do you remember those days? you remember how crazy that was? Uh, I, I, w- I saw some picture of me holding a bag of pirate's booty not very long ago when I was really early. You were Mimi. I was early young. Mimi, I know you're a gold mine. You, uh. um... Mm. Pirate's Booty. Pirate's Booty. That's before I had met you. That's when I merely knew one of your songs. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a thing. That was a thing in the early days of memes. That was a weird thing. Why did we do that? <laughs> I don't know. Very for those odd. of you for those of you who are who are not like <laughs> all the way journal thing. <laughs> we are not all the way in to the Wikipedia of Merlin. Some kid came up to me in Boston. <laughs> I was my well, the first long winter's tour, and I had little short hair, and I just was wearing little little clothes. I was so little, and the guy comes up to me and he hands me a bag of uh, uh, snack food, mm-hmm. and he says, "Can I take a picture of you holding this snack food?" <laughs> and I said, "You know, sure." At the time, uh, any any kind of communication with people was was important and craved Mm -hmm. and so i hold up the i hold up the bag of snack food and i and i make a playful face like i am thrilled about it i'd never seen pirate's booty before Hmm. i'd never heard of it didn't know what it was and uh and then it turns out that you you were collecting photos of people around the world through an army of minions Hmm. holding pirate's booty and that and that was part of your early tumblr no, uh, Flickr. It was a tum- Flickr tumbler. Well, there's a lot about this that really feels like a different era. How do I begin to count the ways? First of all, it started out as a thing that uh, my friends and I were doing on Live Journal. Live Journal. And I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if you were the first one. That was probably my friend Dan, mm-hmm. who at the time I think he was going to Emerson. He was like maybe 19 at the time. Young, young guy. He's a, he's a, he's a full grown ass man now. That's right. And uh, very smart guy. And uh, he, um, yeah, yeah, he got pictures of you, um, some pictures with the dismemberment plan, not a surf, mm-hmm. um, 
All and the classic bands of the, the era. The classic bands are somewhat, they might be giants, Ben Folds, and I don't know why, but it became a, th- well, I don't, I, I, I can say why it became a thing, because it was funny, and it was mm-hmm. stupid, and mm-hmm. so then every time somebody came to my house, I'd make them take pictures with, with a bunch of snack food. Mm-hmm. Now, how is this different in so many ways? My goodness, where do I begin? This preceded my Flickr time. <laughs> oh, wow. Did it really? <laughs> I went out and went to SourceForge and downloaded some open source content management system and installed it on a server and created one of those, like, these is a gal of images <laughs> and and thus was born booty shots with a z booty shots with a z <laughs> my friend peter uh in the 80s he was doing a he was doing a considerable amount of traveling as as some of us did in our in our younger days when we had nothing else to do and he we used to drink a lot of schmidt beer which i don't know if you had that in florida I know it passes you, the basic test of being probably cheap and probably causing diarrhea. Yeah, you you like were probably Schlitz, like Shavers, Valentine or something, right? What was it? Yeah. What was the cheap beer down in uh, down in Florida when you were in college? Oh, not to derail us, but you know, for me, uh, a bu- uh, a uh, a Bush was always a good beer, or an Old Milwaukee. And if you got to the real bottom, you get the like generic, like ABC brand. Sure, the the Bush Bush family, of course, are the uh, the. Anheuser Bushes, yes, and they're they're very big in Atlanta. Those people, they um, it was I think it was back in St. Louis. They married the Natural Light family, right? That's right. And thus, an empire was born in the uh, in the Northwest. Natural Light sh- is a very refreshing beer when you're in Florida, John. That's it's, all I'm going to say well, about I'll that. I'll tell you what, because there's nothing in it. It's, uh, it's just, Same for Florida. It's just yellow colored water. <laughs> but up here in the Northwest, Schmidt beer really had a, a lock on the cheap, uh, like like rock and it was the cheap rock and roll beer. And it was, a lot of people called it animal beer because the cans had pictures of different sort of 50s uh, graphic art of like salmon or moose or, you know, it, look, it looked like, uh, it looked like, like uh, animal illustrations from boy's life. Oh, it looks or, from a distance, it looks more like a can of soup. Yeah, yeah, it had a little bit of a can of soup vibe. Oh, I, this is cool. What a great logo. And yeah. there's a guy water skiing. These are exactly. wonderful cans. Yeah, and you could get it you could get a half rack of those for $4. Mm. And Schmidt beer just was it was it was so good uh for the money and also it 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 just it felt like a um like a lot of beer culture that it, it became a kind of cult people that drank schmidt then insisted on schmidt like i would turn down any beer i would turn down any top shelf beer for a schmidt at the time and my friend peter went so far as to carry a can of schmidt in his backpack (laughs) one in the chamber (laughs) yeah as he traveled around the world so that he could get a picture of himself holding a schmidt in front of the taj mahal Get a picture of himself holding a Schmidt with the, you know, with the Dalai Lama, and he he does he still has a uh, like a a photo album of yellowing twenty five year old photos of him holding a Schmidt beer, um, you know, at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and I mean, in a lot of cases, it was it was borderline offensive that this kid was standing here holding a beer at uh. <laughs> You know, the weeping what, wall. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, I was with him on the steps of the Vatican one day, and he pulled out a Schmidt, his Schmidt to, you know, to to ready himself to take his Schmidt picture, and he set the beer down on the steps of the Vatican, 
And while we're standing there with our little, uh, you know, plastic, like, uh, disposable cameras, one of the Swiss guards with his, like, long pike and his big feathered hat or whatever, he, he sees this kid put a can down on the steps of the Vatican, and he walks over, and it happened really fast, walks over, picks up the can, and turns it to face him and looks at it. And he and it was clear that he just wanted to make sure it wasn't a bomb or something. You know, like if you if you put something down on the steps of the Vatican, apparently the Swiss guard takes a, a renewed interest. And there's this moment that is burned in our minds of this Swiss guard in full regalia holding a Schmidt beer and looking at it, you know, with this quizzical look of like uh, of the the apes holding the or looking at the obelisk in 2001 <laughs> and none of us could get our cameras up we were oh, so no. dumbfounded that we're standing there holding our cameras just like uh and then he realizes what he is he gets a kind of smirk on his face and he puts the beer down it all happened in just a split second and then we were like sir sir could you hold the beer again and he wouldn't then <laughs> he went back to completely ignoring us stone-faced like and it was this it's this it's this photograph that that didn't happen that is more impressed in my mind i have the, i have this this fantastic picture in my head of this swiss guard holding a schmidt that turned out way better than i expected i i, I saw him piking that thing oh wouldn't i mean any i mean oh any interaction with a Swiss guard, they're like uh, they're like the beef eaters out in front of, or not beef eaters. The uh, I know what you mean. The guys with the, the guys, funny the, hats, the fuzzy hats out in front of uh, Buckingham Palace. You can't get them to, you can't right. get them to respond. And it's kind of it's like a it's like a a a, a bro dickhead move. Hold the sign with a hashtag on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about Live Journal. I remember I remember people on Live Journal. I was not on Live Journal. <laughs> You, but were, I re- you were widely discussed on Live. But I Journal. remember being a topic on Live Journal, and I was very <laughs> upset because you couldn't see what they were saying. Couldn't see what they were saying, and I remember saying to you, "What are they saying about me on Live Journal?" And you said, "What happens on Live Journal stays on Live." Oh, Journal. I don't think I would have said that. You did. You were. You wouldn't tell me what they were saying because it was because it violated the Live Journal code. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, the um, nice thing about Live Journal that I don't think anybody ever got quite as right, at least not among sites I use, was just how easy it was. It was very easy to post. They made it, you know, it was a real simple site, but they made it really easy to share stuff with a very small group of people. And that was probably really frustrating to you, but it was very easy to use and uh, and you could, uh, you know, share things on the on the internet that not everybody saw. It was yeah. and this is we're talking this is 2000 maybe. Uh when I started doing it 2001. And uh, but it was on Live Journal. It was funny because I, I found myself um, more and more, you know, writing what I would now think of, well, what I would then think of as a blog, and that's what I, led me to go start my first, like, actual according to Hoyle blog. And so, what what has happened to all that premium content? I think I deleted all of it. Really, you never imp- you never imported it over. I'm trying to remember what happened. I mean, I had a lot of stuff up there. I mean, it's probably still up there on archive.org, a lot of it. Mostly, I, I wrote a lot about music, things I was outraged about, uh-huh. how angry I was that the shins were in a McDonald's commercial and what sellouts uh-huh. oh, they were. I know. God, that was the worst. Oh, boy. And you know who changed my mind about that? You know who turned me around was Dan. Oh, really? He's like, what? You know, what do you think these guys are making? Like, Yeah, that's right. 
And like now, they can like uh, it was like when Super Chunk. Remember Super Chunk and the BKs commercial, the British Knights commercial. It was a really big deal because before it was like around the time that uh, what was their first? No, it was around the time No Pocky for Kitty came out. And the story goes, at least according to Spin Magazine at the time, um, I think it was God. It was a great issue. It was this one issue of Spin that had like Nirvana and. Um, uh, Super chunk. There's a whole bunch of like the new bands that you need to check out. In it. There anyway. was a there was a moment there where where Spin really was really was nailing it. I loved that Spin in the late '80s, man. I I yeah. never missed an issue of Spin. Yeah. Yeah. But but the story went according to this. Then this is kind of the framing for this story. It was you know the year punk broke, right? Um, and so as they say, but um, the story goes that British Knights. <laughs> it sounds like something from The Simpsons. Basically, they came to Super Chunk and said, "Kids, uh, we love that song you do with the thing. We're, we're going to put it in a commercial." Because, of course, you have to talk like that if you mm-hmm. license music, as you know. Sure, sure. Is that what the Cooper, mini Cooper people sound like? Uh, you know, I never actually talked to them. I just talked to the young guy with the British accent that's running their ad campaign. Okay. And, uh, and they said, uh, and they said, you know, here's, we're going to give you this much for this. And, and they were like, uh, actually, you know, that's not really a, a thing we do. We sell records and we tour. And that's, we don't really want our stuff in and out. And they said, well, they made it apparently abundantly clear to them that, that there's a harder, easy way we could do this. Huh. We could basically, by, by next week, have a song that is legally just di- different enough from this that would still be confused by most of your fans with the right. song. Or, you know, you can let us give you whatever. What would you think? Probably like, what, $8,000 or something to let us use this song. They did it. And then they were able yeah. to, like, uh, buy a van. Well, as the classic Todd Berry routine goes... Um, uh, I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember it, but he did a routine a long time ago, 10 years ago about how the, uh, the bass player in Fugazi was like, Hey guys, maybe we should charge six bucks a show so that I don't have to have a roommate when I'm 40. (laughs) Oh, they're so easy to admire from afar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the line is sponsored by Squarespace. The all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. You may not realize it, but you are using Squarespace right this minute just by listening to this show because John and I have used Squarespace since day one for Roderick on the Line. Every episode is hosted there, and they have been fantastic to work with. They are just the best. They make this entire process so simple. Squarespace has an easy drag-and-drop interface featuring beautiful free templates that you can tweak to suit your needs. All the designs are responsive, so they look great on every device. If you ever have any problems, don't worry, because Squarespace has 24 by 7 support with dedicated teams in New York and Dublin. The crazy part, Squarespace plans start at a mere $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which I highly recommend. Every plan comes with the ability to create your own online store, so you can sell your own stuff right from your own site. It is that easy. So whether you're a podcaster or a musician, a writer, a photographer... Uh, any, anybody who has stuff that they want to get on the web needs to really look at Squarespace. Uh, it's the first place that I go to put anything up nowadays, and it's just the best. If you decide to give it a spin, which you can try for free without a credit card, go to squarespace.com. And you know what? You get a free trial plus 10% off any package you choose by using the special offer code SUPERTRAIN when you check out. We are very grateful to our friends at Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line. We could not do it without them. I woke up this morning having had one of those dreams. Like the last dream of the night, right? The one that you remember. The takeaway dream. Mm. And in my takeaway dream, I was having a minor dispute 
with the shitty gal at a rock show. You know, one of those situations where somebody pushed me from behind and I bumped into her and she turned around and was mad. And then I woke up and I'm like, it's like having a dream about being at work. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like dreaming that you're working at a cash register and then you wake up and it's time to go to work. Like to have, to have a dream where I'm just in a minor social (laughs) dispute. You have a minor, minor bit of social awkwardness in a public place that, you know, I I remember such few (sighs) dreams compared to what I used to. I feel robbed to have a dream like that. Yeah. I felt robbed too. I woke up and I was like, that's really, you're sending me into the day with that feeling. The feeling of just like, you know, it's one of those, if if the event had happened in real life, it would be one of those situations where you, then you're sitting in your car 20 minutes later and you're still thinking about what you should have said to her. Like, oh God, that, oh, and you know, two days later you're like, oh, that fucking, and 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 it, it didn't even happen. It's a dream. That's the worst. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here mad at an imaginary person. Who said something to me at an imaginary rock show? You ever so, heard that phrase, I, uh, l'es, l'esprit de l'escalier? Mm-hmm. You, heard, you know that phrase? Mm-hmm. That, you know, you know, are you kidding with me? You know what the phrase is? You know the one? It's basically, it's the George Costanza moment. This means, I think, spirit of the stairs or wit of the stairs. The French phrase meaning, like, it's the thing you realize. The thing you should have said. The thing you should have said after it's too late to say anything. <laughs> I uh, I hate when people tell me their dreams, and consequently, I, I do not tell them my dreams. The but can I say what I dreamed about last night? Oh, very, yeah, you very, remember your dream. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you. It's just it's interesting for regional reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, my takeaway dream, I had the Manhattan person's dream. I had a very intense, super clear dream that I found extra rooms in my house. Oh, fun dream. Apparently, this is one that happens a lot to people who live in Manhattan. Uh-huh. And I uh it's you know not super interesting to go into but basically sure, they, op- they open the uh the the clothes closet where the where the ironing board comes down but it turns out it's actually a door to like another bedroom and another bathroom. Yeah, the beauty of that kind of dream like there's the kind of dream you have like where you're a little kid kind of dream where you like you move uh you move a brick and you see that there's a room behind there. The the really excellent Manhattan person's dream though is when you just you, you get something out of your closet and you see you actually see a literal door there and you go, "Oh, I never realized I have a whole other house inside my house." <laughs> it was great. It had a it had a coin-operated laundry and it was apparent oh. uh, based on the uh, expiration dates of the yogurt in the refrigerator because yes, it also had a kitchen uh, was that people were using it. And the, the yogurt had only expired a couple of weeks ago, which led me to believe that people were coming in there. And then I felt kind of bad, but I thought, you know, I am. I don't know how the lease would include that. I don't know right. if, if technically invisible... it is your place. <laughs> That's you know, law can be very complicated. I'm not uh-huh. sure if that would be covered governed change by the, the lease. Change the locks. When you go to sleep tonight, the first thing you should do is change the locks on that place. The can I, I'll tell you though, man. I'm, I'm a grown ass man. I woke up this morning, and, and as has happened to me the half dozen times in my life, I've ever had this particular flavor of dream. You can guess what I wanted to do. I was like, there's got to be hidden rooms somewhere. I know I've been around the perimeter of my house. I figured if it's anywhere, it's probably outside or it's in what appears to be, you know, it's like in a Watchmen when Rorschach figures out that there's a hidden area by measuring the size of the closet. I'm thinking there's got to be a panel. You ever get this feeling? There's got to be a room in here I don't. There's got to be like an Amityville horror room that I don't know about because that would be so sweet. Oh, for sure. Well, I, you know, and the problem is I have a couple of rooms like that in my house. But but their utility to me is is somewhat diminished 
by the knowledge that uh, uh, all you have to do is smoke me out. Like there's no there's no panic room. Yeah, no monkle. There's no monkle because all you'd have to do is set the house on fire and then. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you're back in your secret room. Good job. Good job, little little uh, toad in a hole. Like you'd be you'd be roasted no matter where you were because it's a wood house, and there's no there's no like what what it really needs is yeah a monk hole like a like a like a tunnel yeah and I, I I don't think there's a tunnel at one point some guys from the city came and they had a little underground submarine uh they were they were they were moving my gas line and I. So I go out there and I, I get it. I intervene and I say, Hey, I see that you guys are getting ready to move my gas line. I want you to move it over here instead of where you're moving it. And they were like, well, and I said, well, here's the thing. I want to, I want to excavate here where you're putting the gas line. I want you to move it over on the other side. And they talked about it for a while and they're like, all right, we can do it. And they pulled out this, this, uh, probably two foot long torpedo. That was connected to a like pneumatic hose of some kind, hmm. and they dig a trench and they stick this torpedo in the ground like a spike uh, f- going sideways, mm-hmm. and they turn it on, and the thing like vibrates and starts to travel through the earth, and it's like a it's like a mole, a, a, a robot mole, pulling his little tube behind him, and he heads off. He heads off under the yard. Like, he, he, the vibration causes him to move in any direction that he can. Yeah, right. He Moving can, they forward. Can, they can move him forward. That's, that's a very clever, primitive little submarine robot. It was very interesting. And he's, he's going forward. And, and, and then uh, when he gets to the other side, you know, they kind of set him in motion. And then there's a guy on the other side who's dug a hole waiting for him to come out. And then it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly sized hole to run a gas line through. So I was like, wow, this is cool. So, and he gets about halfway across the yard, and then it's like, oh, what happened? He's not, he stopped moving. And they tried to pull him back, and they couldn't get him back. They tried to go forward, he wouldn't go forward. And I was like, oh, God damn it. This is exactly what I didn't want to have happen. And so all of a sudden, they go into emergency mode. And it seemed like primarily because. They really loved their little mole, and they didn't want to lose him. <laughs> but they could tell by how much line had gone out, like how far he was, probably. Yeah, they knew where he was, and they were they were super worried about the mole. All of a sudden, <laughs> it was just like, you know, we got to get the mole. And it's because, I guess, it's expensive, but also, like... He, you, get, they, you get attached. Yeah, they seemed like... They felt like he was their friend. And so, all of a sudden, there are four guys from the city in those flat hard hats jumping in the center of my yard with their shovels out and i was like whoa whoa everybody hold on let's slow down before we end it's too late they were like they were, they were completely <laughs> in like a chain gang mode of digging and now there's a six that's foot that's where the training really kicks in <laughs> there's a six foot deep pit in the center of my yard and i'm like oh fuck like no and they discover a giant they discovered that that whole part of my yard was a septic field for the old ha- the old septic system. So it hit a, hit a wall, essentially? It hit a cistern full of poo. Ooh. Poor moly. And 
went and managed, it, it, he was making such good progress through the ground that he managed to penetrate one wall of the poo cistern. <laughs> and then he fell into the into the muck. Oh, no. And he probably just kept on working. And he was just like, but he couldn't, there was not, nowhere for him to go. With like, <clears throat> with like Johnson administration poo. Right. I mean, the, the, this house has been hooked up to the local sewer system at least for 50 years, probably longer. And so, so now Molly's in the hole. Molly, <laughs> Molly's in the, in the poo hole. And these guys with their hard hats are standing around and they, so they, they uncover this, this uh, septic cistern and they're all standing they, and there's a lid and they open the lid and they're looking down into it. And they're all real disappointed because they love Moly, but nobody wants to be the first one down the hole. <laughs> and I'm standing there really upset that my yard is all trashed. And these guys just don't, you know, they're like, and, and the foreman, the foreman was like, this is your fault. You told us to move the line. If we'd put the line where we were going to put it, it would have been fine. Well, it's like, it must be like firemen, uh, firefighters being mad, like you being mad at a firefighter because they broke a window. And you're like, this is our job. You know, this is what we do. Yeah, well, and, and, and to a certain extent, I was like, hey, look, I mean, I told you I wanted you to move the line. It's not like I became the boss of you. <laughs> You're the chief. You're the guy who knows it. I didn't even know these things existed. And it was, you know, when I bought the house, of course, we pulled up two huge 500-gallon oil tanks out of the yard. One that was for the house and one that was over by the barn that was Except like... For, a, for heating oil? Well, the, I think the house one was heating oil. The one over by the barn was a massive tank. I think it might have been tractor oil or something. Anyway, so I so, so all of a sudden I'm looking at this yard and I'm like, what else is buried under here? Is there maybe there is a tunnel? Mm. Maybe there are. Maybe it's a network of tunnels. Maybe it's tunnels all the way to Hanoi. <laughs> anyway, so they figure out. The guy, the foreman, goes over to their big truck with the multitude of flashing lights, and he pulls out, uh, pulls out some elaborate hook majigger that's specifically designed to retrieve moly <laughs> from sh- shitholes. And he gets down in there, and he's like, "This, you know, this had better work." And he manages to hook moly. And they pull him up. And the the funny thing is, we're all standing around this hole. There's no smell because whatever poo and pee is in there is has been sitting in there for sixty years. And I'm like, there's It'd be like basically like compost, probably, right? Yeah, I'm like, there's no poo or pee in there. It's just dirt and water by now. And the the foreman turns and looks at me, and he's like, "Oh, it's poo. Oh, it's poo. Let me tell. Oh, you. Come on. And it's like it's not poo. It's it's dirt. It's dirt and water, but. In any case, he didn't want to get. He didn't want to jump down in there, and uh, so he retrieves Moly, and they unhook him, and they're like, "All right, well, th- th- we're going a different direction." And they ended up putting the they ended up putting the line where I didn't want it. Oh man! So they they filled it back in, but you had like a they a- filled it back in, but they had they had trenched across the roots of a big tree that I was really worried about. They were going to, I suffice to say there is still an enormous scar in my yard from this balderdash. Oh God. And, uh, and you know, what can I say? But, and, and also I have the awareness <clears throat> that there's a poo cistern under the yard, which is not a thing 
that I can forget. You know, like I, I, I suppose there are some people who can let let time sort of fog that knowledge out. <laughs> So that they're just like, oh yeah, my yard. But I'm all every time I walk across it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm standing right on top of it right now. Mm. Somebody else's poo and pee, if not even mine. <clears throat> People the, long dead. Part of the problem also is if you did install, I say, a network of tunnels. Even if you installed one basic means of egress, tunnel speaking, yep. uh, everybody could see it. You yeah, you'd have to like cloak your yard, which would seem suspicious. Like, they how would you even in. do that? Well, the the way to do it is to is to begin a capital project where you are doing a lot of improvements all over the place, mm. and the yard is a, just a hustle bustle of of activity. And one of those things is, <clears throat> you know, one of those things involves a backhoe and a, and a large trench, and it could be sewer electrical. It could there's a lot of things could be could be happening, but people are you know you're focusing their attention on the fact that you're also replacing the roof or building a windmill or whatever it is. Mm. And Mis- then, misdirection. Yeah, exactly. Misdirection. And then you cut, you know, then you, then you, you finish off the, the escape trench and then just let people let, again, let that, that fog of memory happen because people, people are not expecting you to be thinking that far in advance. No. And that, that that's the tragedy is they no. wouldn't even expect it. It seems to me though, if you could even get something to get you from, like, you punch a code into the washer dryer, something moves, you mm-hmm. go down and you come out in the barn. That would still give you a nice head start if you had oh, to. Oh, abso- absolutely. And that's, you know, the thing is not to give away too much. Mm-hmm. But that would be one direction to build an escape tunnel from the washer and dryer to the barn. If you're going to you break ground, I mean, I don't think, I think you should have multiple solutions. If you're going to break ground on some kind of a system, you might as well have several things and obviously don't tell me because i might collapse under torture right right well one of the things i wanted to do was go to the local elementary schools and uh, a lot of them are a lot of them are using the portable method of increasing capacity for their for their kids right they cover the playground with portables yeah and some of those portables are old um the oldest ones i think date to the 20s and those portables have like hardwood floors and oh, it's like, like a cabin. Uh, they're beautiful, o- yeah. like oak floors and woodwork. The, the new ones are basically mobile homes, but the sure, old ones like are more FEMA like shelters. yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But the old ones are 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 beautiful old. They're, it's like living in a boat, except if the boat had fifteen foot ceilings. I went to I went to first grade in one of those, and they had the most wonderful euphemism for them. They didn't they didn't call them you know the the externals. They didn't call them the mobile homes. You know what they called them the colonies. Hmm. Isn't that sweet? And it was the it was colonies. like a cabin. It was it was a pretty nice setup. Well, so what I what I want to do is go to go around the school district here, and you know uh, the, prob- the problem is that. Nobody appreciates nice things, and they surplus these things all the time. And some of them just go into landfills, and some of them end up, I don't know where they go, but grab one of those, truck it over here, put it over the swimming pool, use the swimming pool as a, because the the portables, and I've measured, I've actually gone and measured (laughs) local portables at nearby elementary schools. The portable would fit perfectly over the swimming pool. Oh, man. You're not using that. Then the swimming pool goes away, but it becomes like a bunker under my 
little uh, cabin slash dance studio <laughs> in the backyard. And then how much extra work would it be to dig a net- network of tunnels? Not much extra. When you say you measured it, you're not you're not you're you're saying in three dimensions. It would fit into the pool. No, over the pool. Huh. It would fit it is larger than the pool. The pool is a large pool, but the portables oh, are large. I see. So you get a built in it's it's like it makes its own basement. Exactly. You would just the 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 port I mean I have a I have one of those hundred foot measuring tapes mm-hmm. as you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, I carted one down to the local school, and I was out there in the middle of the night measuring the portables. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and uh, came home and measured uh, measured the pool, and I was like, "You could you could put this you could put this portable on on the four corners. Ugh. The pool would go away, and the and the decking." The concrete port decking around the pool would just become the sidewalk around your portal. It's the apron around the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I think what you do is you'd face the big windows of the portable toward the house, mm-hmm. get the afternoon sun. And then when you're in there stretching, doing your yoga, dancing, doing your seven-minute workout, uh, like uh, uh, the, you're, you're basking in the glow of a... Uh, of of like your little colony, it would you'd be basically creating a colony here. <laughs> uh, you are really close to having a compound. It's just it's right around the corner. Yeah, and I think you know right now, of course, like uh, we call this house the farm, but I think if I had one more building, I would start calling it the colony. Yeah, and at least one seventeen-year-old uh, girl named Sunshine, <laughs> like the Yellow Deli in Boulder, Colorado. All the girls have a. Uh, all the all the girls have long braids, mm-hmm. and they all have Old Testament names. Yes, and they are making roast beef sandwiches. <laughs> Methuselah, where's my sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have really mixed feelings. There was there was a, a certain thing I haven't thought about this in years, but but like uh, you know, you discover like uh, a girl has been kidnapped or a boy has been kidnapped and kept in a hole. Like down underground, I always had mixed feelings. You about have mixed that. feelings about that, <laughs> yeah. Because on the one so hand, some of your feelings are positive and some of them are negative. Okay, well, let me finish. Yes, okay. It's not a good idea to kidnap a kid and keep under keep underground. Let's just take that as red. But there was something about seeing a cross section of an underground living space. It was part of it was that I love cross sections, but also the idea of having a place where you could go and nobody could find you if you wanted to. Well, yeah, the, that the, the, that was very appealing. To me. I'd want a way out. In but, every one of those stories, there's always someone else living in the house with the bad man who purports to and believably purports to not have realized that there were people living in a in a hole <laughs> under their house. That's always so strange. Or like you know, even even Gacy. They found like over twenty bodies yeah. on his property. I yeah, mean, didn't it ever seem weird how few young handymen came back out of the house? Did that never seem strange? Well, or just that? I mean, that that the I don't I don't know if you remember the description, but like one of the searchers went down into the basement, and this is a terrible a terrible description, but like step odor odor thing. Well, because that's how they found it. They found it because neighbors were like, "What is that smell?" Yeah, the odor was overpowering. But he stepped onto the dirt floor of the basement and sank up to his waist. Oh my god! Because the dirt and decaying bodies and lye had just become a kind of liquefied. There was no ventilation, and it was just a liquefied sort of. 
Okay, Fuck. let's that's not ideal. <laughs> no. I would want but, someplace but dry that, with no sinking up to my waist and bodies. But the idea of having in like Austria a, who yeah. kidnapped his own daughter and fathered two children with her or oh, three dear. children with her in the hole. Her mother was living in the house and never heard, never was like, are there rats in the walls? <laughs> like there was never a scratching. Yeah. I mean, I can hear my freaking neighbors karaoke. I can hear their I can hear the intake of their breath. And obviously, of course, they're using amplification. amplification. <laughs> what kind of songs do they sing? They're all in Vietnamese. <laughs> I, I have no idea what they're singing. You have Vietnamese karaoke that you can hear in your house. My next door neighbors, who are Vietnamese Catholics, have a home karaoke system that I, I my only my only <clears throat> suspicion or my only guess is that they used to own a restaurant and when the restaurant closed they brought the professional grade karaoke system home they're like what are we going to do with this i don't know we have such fun doing karaoke let's just put it in our house because it is it's got to be it's got to be six thousand watts Uh, and they they sometimes have small parties but a lot of times it's just mom dad and their son like the way you would play parcheesi or nintendo wii they just yeah. sit around and sing loud vietnamese karaoke songs and do karaoke so Whoa. now now if you've ever listened to uh vietnamese pop music or or chinese pop music there are tonalities mm-hmm. that easy are, easy <laughs> there are tonalities that are uh, uh, that are foreign to my musical ear right there are yes. intervals that they use <laughs> that are, There's a certain soaring, sonorous quality to the high notes that is paint peeling. Well, and at, at least to my uh, to my like musical ear, some t- I mean, when it's done when it's done expertly, uh, like I hear the I hear the beauty of it. I understand kind of the the I understand what the music intends i think but you know it's a it's a it's a musical language that's that's foreign to me and so i'm always listening to it kind of as an outsider curious about i, I don't think this is super complicated i there's a place in my neighborhood where i go uh i can pay my pg&e bill at this at this place around the corner where yeah. they they butchered pigs and lots of vegetables and it's real and the guy's always got super loud chinese pop music playing uh-huh. and my daughter loves it i love it but what i really love is that i get to leave um <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy hearing a a uh, Cantonese version of "I Want to Hold Your Hand" really loud for a couple minutes, but then and then get out. Yeah, but the, the yeah. beauty of that music is that you can get away from it. I cannot imagine being in my home and having to hear that. Well, do you ever hear? Did you, uh, I'm sure in San Francisco you have opportunity to hear that. They hear this instrument. We hear it here. Yeah, in the, Seattle, the little fiddle thing that people play little, in the subways. Yeah, the two string the yeah. two string violin banjo. It's that you play very with beautiful a, for a minute. Yeah, and but it's very it's very reedy, and and loud, and I mean I can I can only imagine what what uh, like I can't the, imagine playing it for someone that you love. Well, but like when they're played fantastically, yes, like it's an it's an amazing instrument, like any instrument, but although still a pretty reedy instrument, not a warm. It hits, instrument. A, it hits a frequency that even with my bad ears is a, is a little owie. But here's the thing about karaoke. Now, if some if I'm sitting in a bar and someone is doing a pretty bad out of tune man I feel like a woman. Right, or or uh or like a rock mm. or or whatever. 
You know, I'm familiar with the song, so I know where they are going astray. I'm familiar with the mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the tone of the original, so I know where the singer is failing to failing to achieve that tone. And I can listen to it kind of grimacing, but with knowledge of how you know how far the singer has to go to to achieve you know or, or how far away the singer is from actually accomplishing what they think they're accomplishing. In the case of my neighbors, he is a terrible, terrible, terrible singer. And yet, I do not understand what he's going for because I don't know the, I don't know the source material. So I sit and I listen and I say, there is no musical language in the, in the universe where the note he's singing and the note of the backing track belong together. It would have. It is. It is a. It is a. It, mathematically, somebody from another planet could look at it on a piece of paper and say that is wrong. Like they should. Ne- those two notes should, should cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. So I know that. I know it does. I know it is not a question of me not understanding the musical language. I know that it is a question of him. And, and he has, you know, he has the wrong kind of vibrato. He is just, he just, he flat, he's just so flat and so dead voiced, just like dead. How's the rest of his family? I mean, he's, he's not the only one, right? Well, the thing is, I, what my impression of what the, after how the afternoon goes is that their son, who is kind of wearing one of those radar O'Reilly caps on sideways Helmet and, has, and has like a, and has like a wet, uh, like a white track suit and is just sitting and playing his, he's playing his game boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. The sun doesn't leave. This is what's amazing. The sun doesn't say like, cause he, the sun drives one of those Subaru WRXs with a big wing on the back and a air scoop on the front. Uh, and expensive rims like the kid is the kid is part of a of a outside culture where he should if 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 he if i were he i would be at whatever disco tech it is that you know where there are girls right but he is sitting in the living room with his folks this is a thing they do together i never get the sense he sings he just sits mm-hmm. while mom and dad trade off songs, which I imagine they're singing to to one another. And they're and the the limit so he's so he's he's a, he's a teenager or like a early twenties. Yeah, he's twenty five. Okay, so he, but he's doing a community like a family thing by being there. I think he might be the one that knows how to turn the machines on or something. <laughs> but you know, he knows how to turn it up. <laughs> they're only ten feet from each other. Like they could be whispering these songs to one another, but instead they are using a, they are using a larger PA than any band I've ever been in has owned. And you know, but they're not in a soundproof basement. They are in their living room in the middle of their house in the middle of the neighborhood. Like you could hear this music. Like I imagine I imagine all the raccoons in the neighborhood all like take this opportunity to go raid the trash in a different neighborhood mm. because it's just sonically so, I mean, even raccoons know. Those this, two notes in terms of together. background, I don't want to triangulate too much here, but in terms of background, is this the same person where you've had some words about that tree being uh, on the property line? Did you have some words with, with, a, with a person next door about uh, a tree and some roots and the fruits thereof and so forth? 
Well, it's not. I, I never had. Don't you have words a fruit tree or something that you were arguing with them about? Well, I was. It was never an argument. There, mm. What happened was when this so house, they called a police action. When this house went, there was a police action. <laughs> when this house went up for sale most recently, it was it was occupied by a family of devout East African Muslims who would. In that same, in the same room that they're now doing karaoke, the Vietnamese family is now doing karaoke. The East Africans would sit in that room with all the windows open and listen to what sounded like a, like a shortwave radio broadcast of an extremely fiery sermon that sound, it sounded like they were receiving it on a, on a crystal set. That's gutsy. Well, it was gutsy, and it was also a little scary. Like there were a, there were a couple of guys and and a multitude of mothers, and then a lot of kids. There seemed to be more mothers than there were fathers. All, all, if if you're looking, that sounds at, like a compound, John. If you're looking at a, at that in a one to one ratio, although I think the fathers there were the were the fathers. There were just multi, mul, multiple wives. And they would they would sit and listen to these sermons that were obviously tape recorded, and I think the original recording was made in a bunker somewhere. It was a it was a very it was it was it was very cultural, uh, and I did have an encounter with them that wasn't a hundred percent positive. That that was effectively like no no um, <clears throat> no infidels on our. No infidels shall cross our property line mm-hmm. type of confrontation. But when the house went for sale and that family moved out, there is a fruit tree that I object object to on their property. I object to this fruit tree. It is a it is a garbage tree. <laughs> and anyone with any responsibility would have taken this tree out a long time ago. And so the house was empty. And I went over there and I stood in their yard and I stared at this fruit tree and I said, I've had enough. And so the following morning at the crack of dawn, the most inconspicuous time to run a chainsaw, I snuck over into their yard with my chainsaw and I cut down the tree. In their yard? In their yard. Wow, that's that's. That's quite an act of aggression, John. Because, it, well, the house is empty, and whoever it is that owns the house okay. does not live in the house. Right. The owner now, and there's a for sale sign in the corner. It's not for rent anymore. So the owner is divesting himself of this property. He hasn't been there in years. He should have cut this tree down years ago. The new owners, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this through as I'm standing in their yard, hands jammed in my pockets, staring at this tree. The new owners are going to move in. They're not going to do anything about the tree. They're going to assume that the tree's always been there. That's a typical, you know, you move into your house that you don't, normal people don't start cutting down trees the day they move in. And I said, nobody's going to miss this tree. There's only one person who can deal with this tree, and it's me. And so I went over and I chainsawed down this tree and I took the, I took the tree around into my yard and I threw it in my swimming pool. <laughs> well, the, 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 the great error I made was that there was a second tree that I also should have cut down. 
And after I cut down the, the most offensive tree, then my brooding attention just, just was, it was only sated for about a day and a half before I realized that I should have cut down the other tree. And then the house sold and people were hustling and bustling. And once the house sold, I no longer felt comfortable, you know, in, in that period where the house was for sale, I felt like I'm cutting down this tree. It's not going it, to, all it's going to do is increase the value of the house. The house is in limbo. I'm not taking anybody's tree. I'm just taking a tree from a guy who doesn't want it. And the next people aren't even going to know it was there. But once the house had sold, I felt like, okay, those new people have bought a house that has this tree, this second tree. For me to cut down that tree now would be to actually be cutting down a tree that belongs to You should have finished the job when you had a chance. I should have When you were still in country. I was in country with a running chainsaw. My neighbors were all, you know, I'd been in there for 10 minutes, so they were already used to, they'd had 10 minutes of chainsaw to get used to. Another 10 minutes wouldn't have bugged them. I should have taken down that second tree. And now that second tree haunts my dreams. (laughs) But but in any case, the, 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 the fact, you know, the fact that my Vietnamese neighbors can be making what is, by any estimation, music that is a, a crime against humanity and i can hear i can hear the i can hear them breathing through their noses into those microphones through you know through three double walls and and uh and 20 feet across the the yard and yet the mother of that austrian girl couldn't hear her own daughter in her own home i i totally agree I totally agree. And you know what, though? I mean, the human mind is such an interesting thing where it's that old thing, you know, don't think of an elephant or, tr- you know, try uh, try not to think about your tongue while you're eating. Oh, there's all I just this- thought of an elephant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't because there's no such thing of, as not thinking of an elephant, right? Yeah, it's nice. that. And, and once you start noticing something, it becomes very difficult to unnotice it. Now, the thing is, uh, so tree aside, I mean, eh, brass tacks, H- have you thought about talking to your neighbors about this is that i don't know if that's the kind of thing that's done in your neighborhood it seems like you're kind of a, a laissez-faire kind of neighborhood it's it's a, it's a little bit of you know it's a little bit of 54 40 or fight up here but i i so so we get along with one another in a sort of like wave over the fence kind of way <laughs> right and there's a little bit of a pick your battles situation where it's like of the issues that i have with the next door neighbors do i want to a address the volume of their karaoke machine Mm -hmm. or b suggest that they let me cut down one of their trees (laughs) what is what is the what's my next move with them it's such an adult thing john i used to i used to feel like every you know i I feel like somebody in in a roadrunner cartoon like slapping people and demanding you know duels i used to think that every slight had to be answered and until I, i was like a petulant child where everything had and today i process everything according to that stack that you're describing where i'm like i you know i these people might be crazy i should wait until there's something that's actually dangerous to both of us Right. To, to bring it up with them. Well, and 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 there is a little bit of the Alaskan sort of the sanctity of one's own home philosophy that mm-hmm. I that like their the enjoyment that they are deriving from owning their own home is bleeding over their property line, and it is causing it is ca- causing me mild discomfort on alternate Saturdays <laughs> in the afternoon when they have their karaoke parties. I mean, they're not doing it every night. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's just it's just alternate Saturdays. It's like you can hear the you can oh, hear Saturday's the, such a nice day to just be around the house and that's not be bothered. Thing. That's the thing. You just want to lay out in your backyard. But the thing is, Saturdays for them are obviously a day they look forward to, where dad and mom are going to serenade each other with the. You know, with the sound of well, Junior uh, plays like, Mario Kart. <laughs> well, Junior <laughs> plays Mario Kart. Mom and Dad are gonna like are gonna imitate the sound of throwing like fully grown hogs into a wood chipper or whatever it is. <laughs> throwing however, cats at other cats. <laughs> however, they would describe the sound of the music they're making. And so, like, so this is one of the challenges that I have as a fully grown person. Like, at what point does my does does my interest my naked self-interest become uh, you know uh, become something that i need to privilege over someone else having like the empathy that i have for someone else having innocent fun in their own home right and and it's you know every musician has to learn at some point or another every rock musician has to learn that louder isn't better but that is a process that a lot of musicians I guess never learn. A lot of people don't understand that like louder isn't better. For 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 most people at some point in their in their arc like the louder it is the better it sounds. Yeah. And that's what they have going on over there. They have reverb on their voice and they obviously feel and I don't the thing is <clears throat> one of my problems is I don't understand karaoke at all. I don't understand people singing like a rock. I don't understand the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald in a bar because it just seems like that's a busman's holiday for you. Well, for me it is, but also like I don't, I, because I don't have a tin ear, I don't understand what it's like to have a tin ear. Right. Well, it, it, there's so many things that are weird about it because the thing is karaoke, the weird thing about karaoke, if you really think about it, and let's be honest, it's a little like bowling. Most of the people who do it are super serious about it. And then most other people do it once every couple of years. But mainly what you're doing is sitting around acting like you're enjoying listening to other people sing karaoke. While you wait for your turn, while to you sing. wait for you politely wait for your turn, you applaud, and there's yeah. all kinds of like weird. Isn't there like weird culture around karaoke? Like you got to make sure you don't do somebody else's signature song at a Jesus. visiting thing. It's I can only stuff. imagine. I stay so far away from karaoke. I can't. It, it is like kryptonite to me. And but, but like I understand that is what car stereos are for, right? You you put your favorite song in the car stereo. You sing at the top of your lungs as you're driving down the street. You <laughs> I'm play as strong the- as I could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric, oh, you play the drums on the steering wheel like yes you are in your bubble and you are having a blast that's right? that's like you in the tennis racket back in junior high and 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 that is a perfect example of like the tennis racket and zz tops eliminator were two things put on god put on god's earth by god for one reason tennis rackets are not for tennis they are for playing the eliminator record in front of the mirror when you are a young teenager like that is the that's the that's the whole of it and Mm -hmm. and karaoke feels like playing a tennis racket in front of the mirror except you're forcing your loved ones to be the mirror and the tennis racket is actually a 3000 watt amplifier and i and 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 i i just i cannot so i don't understand karaoke i definitely don't understand karaoke as, in the role it performs within Asian culture uh, or Asian cultures, 
And I further do not understand my neighbor's particular version of have, super have loud. To, have you gotten to where you can recognize particular songs? There are some that come back. You know, there are some that I hear multiple <laughs> times. There are others that, you know, because the, because the, the musical bed is all Yamaha DX7, like, tinkle, tinkle chords uh, that are just like, like, it's, it's, it's garbage music to begin with. It sounds like, it sounds like amusement park music where, where you're at an amusement park and all the characters that they're trying to, that they're, that they're putting forward are like subpar Hanna-Barbera yeah, like you swap out a calliope and put in a middle-aged uh, Vietnamese immigrant. Uh, or yeah, right. Like 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 that's not Tony the Tiger. Mm, oh, that, I see what you're. Oh no, no, I, I totally know what you mean. What, you know, that's like yeah. a plywood tiger made to look like Tony the Tiger, yeah. which is a breakfast cereal tiger, and that tiger is enticing me to go on a on a on a roller coaster. That that no, not so you, different from the super the fake super chunk song. You get it just close exactly. enough that you can go, oh, that's Anthony the Puma. Clearly, that's supposed to make, make me think of Tony the Tiger. Yeah. Except it's got uh, the DX7 chime sound. Except what, what's DX7 love got to do with it? But so I don't want to go over and intervene in their in, – in, in what I can only imagine – and I mean, and this is a little bit – maybe this is too much extrapolation. But like this guy, my next-door neighbor, definitely – is is from Vietnam and is older than me, meaning that he survived the war, right? He had who knows what his what his life was like during the war. He was probably not. He, I don't think he's old enough to have been a soldier, but he's certainly old enough to have. I, I don't think there was a single person in Vietnam that didn't have to confront that war right up front you know nobody was no it's not like there were suburbs where you were safe from the war and so whatever his life experience is he his english still isn't very good so it's not like i go over and sit in his living room and we talk about uh, uh, you know our shared experience and i just feel like there's so much about what he, what they are doing over there that i don't understand that the work that i am trying to do on it is not the work of confrontation, but it is rather the work of sitting in my own home and trying to learn to appreciate what they are doing. Or, or realizing that if there's enough of a pattern to it, it's better off to just maybe be out of the house. Frustrating as that might be. Yeah, like Saturday afternoons is their time yeah. to do their to do their show. And hopefully, you know, I think they also drink. So maybe by late afternoon they you know it starts to slur off and then like I don't know what happens. Maybe they make love. I'm not sure what <laughs> it is a prelude to. But like I'm, I'm much. And this is this is the thing about this is the thing I encounter all the time, which is that other people are irritating, and I cannot figure out if it is just that other people are truly irritating and everybody else pretends that they're not or whether there is something in me where i am just more irritated by other people i I, I don't think i am more irritated by other people i just think that i think that everybody else assumes that other people just are i i I have no idea honestly i have no idea how people work downtown 
and don't get into fistfights every day. Oh, I, I totally agree. And so, you know, right now, the other neighbor, my neighbor across the street, is running some kind of loser's lounge halfway house. Is this, is this the one that had the guy living in the RV? The guy is still living in the RV. He mm. was out He was out walking down the middle of the street the other day in a leather vest with no shirt on. The leather vest had the Harley Davidson symbol across the back. And he was walking down the middle of the street in a gunslinger pose. Like, hand <laughs> out. And he's, wa- he's obviously walking to the store to get a beer. And in his mind, he's like in a showdown. Spurs. Tick. And I'm, and I'm looking at him and I'm just like, there are so many things that I want to say to you right now. And I'm, and I can't, I, I like prioritizing what to say to the drunk guy living in his van behind my neighbor's hedge. Like when you, when you run down the list, the answer is say nothing to the guy because the first communication I'm going to have with this guy is going to be when I'm standing next to a cop. And the cop is saying, how long has this been going on? And I say, well. you know, I say, you know what, officer, the reality is all, this has all got to go. Like, this guy, is, he's unsafe at any speed. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. One of these days, this guy is going to set his van on fire or some, something over there is going to happen. But, you know, the other guy with the mosquito tattooed on his neck, he, like, he's got his arm in a sling now somehow. And... And the, the guy with the vest, and I'm just like, okay, what's my problem with them? Where do I start? Right. And I'm, you know, like, I love, li- I love living in my neighborhood. And I think what I am trying to learn is a, is, a, is a little bit of acceptance. I'm learning a little bit of, like, this is my neighborhood, and this is what happens. And, and if, I, if I was living north of the ship canal, if I had paid three times more than I paid for my house, then the neighbor next door... Uh, my neighbors around me would probably be even more entitled and they would be out in the backyard playing yoga music. Oh, and they, and they would have, have qualms with you that they would bring up with the homeowners association about how you use the wrong shade of white on your mailbox or something. Right. Or something worse. But you know, it's so funny. I feel like I've evolved a lot with this stuff. There's still stuff that bugs me and I I try not to be noisome to other people, Mm -hmm. but just, I don't know. uh, There's still some kinds of things where like, there's something about the basic impossibility of the situation that makes it worse. Like in your case, these sound like they're not bad people. You don't want to go over there and like read them the riot act and be that guy who's always complaining. I think they're super nice. There's no, no, they're not broadcasting any sermons. Nobody's parking their car on the lawn. And I mean, like, like if you're going to have somebody making a lot of noise, how nice is it that it's like a it's a family of homeowners like singing together? That's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. But then you but you get to something like the barking dog situation, and Ooh. there's so few ways to handle that in a way that isn't from the get go confrontational. Because by the time you say like, okay, I'm going to be a patient person, even though this dog is literally barking all day long, making me into an insane person. I'm not going to complain about it. But then by the time you very first like kind of broach the topic, you, you're already so loaded for bear. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, what do you want me to do about it? I have a dog and it barks. Deal. Right, right. That right. seems to be the attitude. Whereas somebody like me, who's on the other, other end of the barking dog situation, is kind of like, well, you know, the thing is, I noticed this. <laughs> And I bet a lot of other people do, too. Nobody then, wants to be a dick and call the police or something. Right, and then they say, nobody else has complained. <laughs> I get this a lot. I get this a lot. Nobody else has complained. Oh, it's, People you, love dogs. Oh, people love their dogs. <laughs> harf, 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 harf. 
yesterday, some somebody here in the neighborhood, I don't know who, either had their either had their niece over visiting, or it might be the family on the far corner that has a lot of kids. But whatever it was, I was sitting in my bathtub, as you do in the afternoon on a Sunday, and some little girl that I estimate was between the ages of five and seven had discovered her scream. Oh, yes. The blood-curdling scream that every little girl eventually learns. Well, now this is a question that I have for you because I was a little boy once. Yeah. A long time ago. And I knew a lot of little girls. I had lots of little girlfriends. Some of my best friends were little girls. Hmm. And I do not remember in the 1970s little girls entertaining themselves mm-hmm. with a blood-curdling scream. Shrieking is a thing. You see it. Sometimes we'll go to the playground. You know, you think you got problems. Your kid's like, oh, my kid's such a pain. It's so hard to get her to put her socks on. And then we go to the playground, and there's like a child there that's like a hellion. And yes, there are little girls who would just stand on top of the, the slide and shriek for shriek. an hour. And that's right. a thing. Well, so that was not – it didn't used to be a thing. It's yeah. a, it, it is a cultural thing that it's probably has, vaccinations causing it. <laughs> it's probably vaccinations. Exactly right. It's, you know what it is? It's all the estrogen in our drinking water. Chemtrails. But, but somewhere along the line, little girls have been have, – have taught one another, and I think it is something that they learn from one another. But they are they – are, I don't think it's something that they are being encouraged to do. What it is is it's something they are not being discouraged from doing. And it's the thing is it's important to understand that it's it's different from somebody yelling really loud, which is annoying. I, but I, there's a certain kind of um, like horror movie shriek blood that little girls. Yes, yes, and then they start doing it together, and they kind of egg each other on, yeah. and they look for reasons to have to shriek. Yeah, yeah. And so somebody, you know, somebody kicks a ball at them. And instead of kicking the ball back, they shriek. <laughs> and then someone, you know, and then a bird flies over. And instead of going like, oh, my God, they shriek. And so this little girl, I'm, I'm in the bathtub, so I can't see her. But she's on my block, somewhere on the block. And she, for an hour, just takes in breath and then shrieks as if she's being murdered. Oh, my God. And then takes in breath and shrieks as if she's being murdered and the and the shriek is long and each one gets more and more evocative how do you not stop that i, and I, I if that happened once i would be like don't ever do that again well, well right and i the thing is i hear there are other children out there playing with her and i hear there are adults i hear a father's voice i hear people speaking to each other i hear people speaking to her but so, and so i can only picture it i don't i at no point do i get out of the bathtub because, again, it's one of these things like, all right, it's Sunday afternoon. There's a family in my neighborhood that's out either in their yard or in the street having a – they're playing ball or they're having a family activity. And one of their little children has discovered her scream, mm. and she is really practicing it. And no one in the family says, okay – Esmeralda, that's enough. Not not another one. And then she shrieks again and they go, you know what? Not one more or or we're done. And she does it again. And then they say, okay, the, the, we're done. And they take her inside. And 
then they sit her down on a chair and they have a conversation with her where they say that shrieking is not good. It's not a, it's not an appropriate way to express yourself. If you are feeling emotional, then let's, let's talk about an appropriate way to express your emotions. If you are having fun, there are ways to express having fun. It doesn't register though. It doesn't seem to even, it must register, but like it, 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 it's so far beyond anything. I am so white. I am so white, John. Like to me, a shrieking thing is not a thing that we should be doing. And it's not even like going to be a discussion point. It's not an inside outside voice thing. It's just, you don't, you don't just shriek. No, you never shriek. We're not going to do that. That's not going to be a thing that we do. If you are being murdered, it's the one time that that sound is appropriate. Right. If you need to, if you need to communicate across a mountain valley that you are being murdered, yes, and that's the only, or or if you are being attacked by a bear, which yeah. is a form of being murdered. <laughs> like, that's true. In, in every instance that I can think that that is an appropriate sound, the end result is murder. It's it's unnerving though. It's really unnerving, and and so you know you think uh, I th- I find myself thinking because then now I go down a think hole and I start going well, wait a minute this is not bothering them is this potentially like a relief for them that they get to be outside now instead of having an echo around in their small living room I don't like, know how or, or are there people that are saying well I don't want to I think this is a this is a thing that that happens in parents you know they're ego like, assertive about the shrieking or I don't want to inhibit her. Mm. She'll grow out of it. This is just a phase, and it's important for her to... It's not like she's being fake murdered. It's important for her that she make the worst sound that a human can make (sighs) over and over and over and over again in in the public sphere. And I'm sitting in the bathtub, and I'm like, here is again another instance where I feel like if I had a megaphone, I would be in more trouble than I am not having a megaphone. Because if I had a megaphone, I might get out of the bathtub, put it out the window, and say, Stop your child from screaming. <laughs> With the robot voice. Stop thing. your child from screaming. <laughs> but not you doing that. 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> I, I don't want to like open my bathroom window and stand there steaming John with the, with the <laughs> steam coming off of me, going, Stop it! God, for the love of fucking God, stop screaming! It's not, but you know, but what it is, it's just like the thing with the dog. It immediately becomes a thing where you are talking to the other parent. Well, you're a human. You're a grown-ass man, and now you seem like the crazy one. Yeah, right. Like, oh my gosh, suddenly this is a big problem? No, it's been a problem for years and years and years, and I finally just had one day where I couldn't take it anymore. Oh, you don't like little girls having fun? Oh, you you can't stand... If you were a father, you would. (laughs) And it's like... I like the sound of little girls having fun. That is not the sound of someone having fun. That is the sound of someone... Cut, fi- Especially you know. if they're in the pool with this cabin over it. <laughs> she is... <laughs> she is fully conscious that she has, she, has, she has arrived upon a power that she has to basically rule everyone. Right? It's, it is... It, it, the child becomes aware that they have a new power that no one else can do. No adult can make that sound. And it, <laughs> that would be so unnerving. <laughs> you know, if, if an adult made that sound, you would be like, oh, the, oh, fuck, this person is possessed by like a like the, that is when, a sound an adult would make just before their skin split from head to toe <laughs> and the giant pterodactyl that lived inside them was freed. It's a pterodactyl sound. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But the child realizes, like, I am now not only in control of everyone that I can see, but I'm in control of the entire block. Like, no one can think. 
because of this sound that I have learned to make. And I don't know, again, it's a thing maybe that, that I should be thinking about ways to harness it. If you got, if, if you got 40 little girls in a room and told them all to make that sound, what, what power oh, I see. could you generate from that? What, I mean, you could take them to Guantanamo and all of the, all of the people in shackles there would start spilling the beans, whatever beans they had left to spill. <laughs> if you could take that sound and weaponize it mm-hmm. and turn like record it in high fidelity and then broadcast it on battlefields, like instead of playing ride of the Valkyries as your, as your troops move into a situation, you just, you just play highly amplified Vietnamese karaoke <laughs> and little girls screaming at the top of their lungs. Armies would flee before you. Mm-hmm. Who would go into battle if the sound of the opposing army was that like unholy cocktail of noise? I, you'd throw uh, your gun down. You would throw your gun down and cower. They could shatter glass in advance of going into the slurry, like uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Max L. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Boy, it's hard. <laughs>